All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifi's superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast. And I kid you not, the day, the night before, Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast. And I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi. I've used them in the past before. I want to bring, be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to Organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, Go to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. All right, everyone, I want to thank our sponsor today, Organifi. You know, we talk a lot on this podcast about healing and the healing journey. Well, an integral part of that are the foods and the drinks that we consume. I know you know this. If you're like me, you know the importance of eating healthy, but you don't always have the time or the willpower to cook with all the colors of the rainbow. Organifi's superfood blends make it easy and enjoyable to add more variety and nutrition to your day. These are delicious organic powders that you can add to water or milk, stir and drink. It literally takes 30 seconds. It is that simple. A couple weeks ago, I was right about to start uh, a green juice fast, a kind of a short mini fast. And I kid you not, the day, the night before Organifi reached out to me about sponsoring this podcast. And I will tell you that I was thrilled because this is aligned with what I'm doing. I'm familiar with Organifi. I've used them in the past before. I want to bring, be able to bring to you um, quality products and things that are going to promote a healthy lifestyle. Organifi Green Juice is the one I use. It's the one I use every morning so that I know right away I'm starting the day on a healthy note. It's loaded with vitamins, loaded with minerals, and essential antioxidants. As a listener of the Trauma Therapist Podcast, you can get 21% off any item by going to Organifi.com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Once again, to get 21% off any item, Go to Organifi, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com forward slash trauma and use the code trauma. Trauma Therapist Podcast, episode 389. 
Welcome to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. My name is Guy McPherson. My mission is to raise awareness of trauma and to help support and inspire new trauma workers through this podcast and my membership community, Trauma Therapist 2.0. Thanks so much for joining me today, and here we go. Hey folks, Guy here. Quickly, before we get started, you know, after having done over 380 interviews with the amazing guests that I uh, am fortunate to bring on this podcast, one of the themes that continually comes up again and again and again is the importance of self-awareness, of authenticity, of presence and vulnerability, and how to cultivate that. This topic is just is, is my passion. It inspires me. Why? Because it's something that I've been on a journey uh, to do, and all within the context of working with people who've been impacted by trauma. I want to invite you to join me for a live workshop September 20th through 22nd at the Incredible Art of Living Retreat Center in Boone, North Carolina. Once again, that's September 20th through 22nd. You can get all the information by going to the heartcenteredworkshop.com. That's the heartcenteredworkshop.com. I will see you there. All right, this episode is sponsored by Praxis. Praxis Continuing Education and Training aspires to set a new standard in continuing education for mental health professionals. Based on the philosophy that mental health is a key feature of human well-being, Praxis trains clinicians in using proven effective tools for helping their clients heal by mixing groundbreaking theory with hands-on experiential learning models. Praxis provides innovative live and online trainings conducted by leading experts in behavioral therapies, including acceptance and commitment therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, and more. Jumpstart your learning today and gain new skills to enhance your practice at praxiscet.com. That's P-R-A-X-I-S-C-E-T.com. Take $50 off your first training by entering the code LEARN50. That's LEARN50 at checkout. Once again, go to praxiscet.com and use the code LEARN50. Learn 50 at checkout to save $50 on your first training. What's the point of having a beautiful website if it doesn't attract the clients you want to see? As worldwide leaders of website design for therapists, Brighter Vision sees this issue happening way too often. A nice looking website doesn't equate to a successful website. The truth is your current website might actually even be turning off potential clients. That's where Brighter Vision comes in. Brighter Vision's team of website designers will create your website that is centered around attracting and retaining your ideal client so that you can have a nice looking website as well as a successful one. Better yet, Brighter Vision is offering one month free for Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners. To take advantage of this offer, simply go to brightervision.com forward slash guy. Once again, brightervision.com forward slash guy. All right, guys, welcome back to the Trauma Therapist Podcast. Very excited to have as my guest today, Mara Tesler Stein. Mara, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. All right. So Mara is a clinical psychologist in private practice, specializing in the emotional aspects of coping with crisis around pregnancy and parenting. She also consults to healthcare practitioners and hospitals, guiding their efforts to provide relationship-centered, developmentally supportive care to families experiencing perinatal crisis. Mara is the author of Parenting Your Premature Baby and Child, Emotional Journey, as well as Intensive Parenting, Surviving the Journey Through the NICU. Dr. Stein is a staunch advocate for trauma-informed care and is trained and certified in a range of integrative trauma therapies. She's a certified EMDR therapist, EMDRIA-approved consultant, and a trainer for the Institute of Creative Mindfulness, where she's on faculty. 
Her trauma work is grounded in her personal perinatal journey, which began 25 years ago and taking her through infertility, twin pregnancy, prolonged hospital bed rest, the NICU, and years of raising NICU graduates. Holy moly. I was reading your, your or as I was reading your, your bio, Mara, and then I got down to that. I was like, oh my God, this is intense. It is intense. It's it really is nothing intense. short of, and I have to tell you, I don't know if I've ever had someone on to talk about this particular oh, wow. topic. So anyway, welcome. Thanks again for being here. Share with the listeners where you're from and where you're calling from, and let's, uh, let's get into it. All right. Well, I am from Denver, uh, born and raised, um, and I'm calling from Chicago, where I currently live and where I practice. Okay. Cool. So let's start out. Um, you know, I, I usually ask about a quote sure. or a mantra or something mm-hmm. that kind of set the context. What do, you, do you have something? I do. Um, okay. Lately, my mantra has been honor the journey. Honor the journey. I find it widely applicable <laughs> um, across the board to my client's journey, um, each of them to my journey as their therapist. Um, it also um, applies to parenting, and I find it applies to my yoga practice also, which is one of the ways that I, I try to keep myself um, grounded and oriented in, in all of this. So let's, we're going to unpack that. I think that'll become sure. clearer as we get into um, how you landed on in this, in this uh-huh. field. Take us, take us through that journey. <laughs> How I got there, yeah, and it yeah. was a journey. Um, well, I um, was always uh, a therapist who was really drawn to loss and trauma and bereavement. And believe it or not, it's only been in recent years that it has occurred to me that growing up in a community that was built by uh, survivors of the Holocaust, um, you know, the, the Denver Jewish community built from the ground up after the war, and then living in that milieu um, might have had an influence on my just awareness of, attunement to, responsiveness to trauma, both spoken and unspoken. Um, and so I was always clinically interested in, in those topics, but really it was when my own perinatal trauma journey uh, began that... I really was confronted with how complicated it is, how intense it is, and really how varied the the responses and responsiveness of those around me and my family, you know, anybody going through something like this um, can really be. So that would include healthcare providers, including therapists, um, and also friends and family who, you know, everybody means well, but they don't always really know what to do, how to do it, uh, what to say, what it means uh, Mm -hmm. when they say what they say. And so, go ahead. Let me just interject here. So, to to get the 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 kind of chronology here, uh-huh. did you start out as like a quote unquote therapist, and then became more interested in this? Talk a little bit about. Yeah, uh, I actually yeah. started off my career as a child and adolescent specialist. Okay. And was always always really interested in um, neonates and parent baby interaction. And then I, I had graduated, and I was already, you know, early career um, when um, I w- was trying to get pregnant, wasn't getting pregnant, 
started infertility treatments, then got pregnant with twins. And then at 24 weeks, which um, for anybody who knows anything about um, gestation and, and viability is really right on that borderline of viability, during a regular office visit, um, they discovered that I was in labor, basically, mm -hmm. um, and was you know, thrown into a hospital bed in a teeny tiny room across from the nurse's station and put on um, whatever medications they could find, usually magnesium sulfide, sulfate, rather, to try to stop contractions. And it was a shock. Um, and it was a lot of ups and downs just in that. I was in the hospital six and a half weeks. Oh and I spent that amount of time trying to get the staff to send me somebody to talk to about what was happening inside of me. And so I got a music therapist who came with her harp, and that was wonderful. <laughs> but that was, she was an intern, um, and, and the music was, was lovely. Um, and I got the unit social worker who said things like, this must be so hard, which is true. But that was kind of as far as it got. And, and they wouldn't give me anything to read, I asked. And this was in 96. So the internet and smartphones were not there. It just wasn't mm -hmm. available. I couldn't look it up myself. I wanted stuff to read. At one point, um, about two weeks in, I finally mustered the courage to ask the nurse who was taking care of me, who had been my triage nurse, so she had, she had admitted me, um, what do 26-weekers look like? And she looked at me and froze and said, small, and ran out of the room. Wow. And so that kind of pattern of um, facing a parent's emotion and kind of fleeing from it mm -hmm. was not, that was the, f the first time that I remember, but not the last time that that happened. And it, during the course of my hospitalization, I was just white knuckling it. Um, but by the time my, my girls were born and were in the NICU, they were born at 30 weeks gestation, and they spent about 10 weeks in the hospital, came home on oxygen and apnea monitors. So the hospital followed wow. us home. Yeah. And, and by the way, they had what would be considered to be an easy NICU course. You know, pretty straightforward. 30-weekers are, you know, largely boring to neonatologists. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, uh, once, once uh, I, I embarked on this, the journey of – talking to parents all over the world and, and gathering information and, and quotes and, and learning um, in the process of writing our first book, um, I, you know, you really begin to see all the kinds of, of ways that this journey can go. Mm -hmm. um, and, and parents will say that it's a lot like being dragged behind the roller coaster. You know, forget being on a roller coaster. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're, being, you're being dragged behind the thing. Um, it's, it's brutal. It's really brutal, and, and it's really lonely um, because, you know, the, the first thing that happens in a perinatal crisis is that you lose your innocence, and the second thing is you, learn, you lose your peer group because who are you going to talk to? Right, right. So my mind's kind of racing here because I'm, I'm, one of the things I'm thinking about is the, uh, you know, what's going on with the child, of course, and also what's going on with the parents. Right. I mean, right. there's a lot of a lot going on a lot right? and, and, what, and what's going on between the parents and the child right children, right you know and, and very often there's twins sometimes triplets um who are on the unit and so this this 
this process, one of the main things that parents are faced with um, when they have a premature baby or, or a medically fragile baby in the NICU is how to become a parent to this baby. So it doesn't really matter how many children you have before that child because this is a different kind of baby. And learning who am I to this baby in an intensive care environment is really challenging. And so there's your traumatic rupture, mm -hmm. right? This is not how it was supposed to be. This was supposed to be a joyful event, an uncomplicated, an uncomplicated event to the extent that, you know, advice from your mother-in-law or your sister or your neighbor is uncomplicated. I mean, every new parent will tell you about the, the sort of normative uh, challenges uh, of, of new parenthood when you have a full-term healthy baby. And of course, we have, you know, risks um, even with full-term healthy babies of um, perinatal mood and anxiety disorders or postpartum psychosis. And so that's an, an additional really important category to keep in mind. But when the, the, the process of getting pregnant, staying pregnant, birth, um, those, those months and, and longer after birth is complicated, your whole life is turned upside down and you don't have vocabulary, you don't have a frame of reference, and you don't feel like yourself. And so what healthcare providers and family members often see is the disarray that parents present them with. People are, look anxious. Uh, they can look checked out sometimes. Mm -hmm. they, can, they can look very overwhelmed. I think I, I was one who would ask the same questions over and over again. Um, certainly when I was on bed rest, um, I think my go-to was, have the contractions stopped yet? Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> the answer was generally no. So, but, but, but not understanding what's happening inside, you're like, what is wrong with me? Right, um, is, right, is a very right. common experience for people. Because, of so course, you're, you're going through this process. When uh, I want to get to specifically what, how you work, but at what point were you like, okay, I'm a therapist, this is what I want to do, this is what I want to focus on? Yeah. So once the girls were discharged home and things were stabilized and we'd gotten into some new normal, um, I was looking desperately for information to support things like nursing preemie twins. Um, and the internet um, was new-ish. And I found a listserv called the Preemie List, which was originated in Australia and was a listserv of parents of premature babies from all over the world. And that list saved me because that was where I began to put words to my experience mm -hmm. and began to um, be able to help other people to put words to their experience. So I sort of, I, you know, I was both parent in the group and then relatively quickly kind of adjunctive support person, therapist in the group. Mm -hmm. um, as, as we all began to try to untangle these, this knot of trauma that we all in our own journeys had experienced and we're still experiencing because people, people in the group, even if their babies were home, that journey doesn't end when your baby comes home. You know, the neonatologist may say, well, take them home, treat them like, mm -hmm. a, like a normal baby, uh, except for um, don't let anybody near them, RSV can kill them, you know, don't let them get sick, um, bring them back every, every three months for follow-up for the next two years, which is not long enough, by the way, um, and so on. 
and, and you're thinking, you, you just had my baby on, on uh, monitors, monitoring everything, and you're unhooking that child, putting them in a car seat, and handing them to me. And people like, look, look over their shoulder as they leave, like, are you really going to let me take this kid home? You're, you're kidding, right? Well, um, let's talk a little bit more about, for the, for the listeners who uh-huh. you know, aren't really familiar with specifically what's going on developmentally or, and or not going on developmentally sure. with a uh-huh. preemie. Sure. At what point are you wondering? Are you wondering well, in the NICU or afterwards? I mean, because you, you said, you know, well, your question was, what would you say? What, how, what is a 24-year-old or 26-year-old, week-year-old? What, what does a, what is a, what is a 20, 26-week gestation, if they were to be born today, and that was 26 right. gestation, what do they look like? So, and, and I do want to finish answering your earlier question about how it kind of got on this path, because it was actually yeah. premulous. But, but babies in the NICU... Um, depending on their gestational age when they're born, depending on the kinds of medical complications they do or don't have can look very different. Um, but in general, what, what we think about is, is we have a nervous system born before it's ready. So, in it, and you have organ systems born before they're ready. So, so in terms of a paradigm, one way to think about it is baby is born very early. We're going to provide everything that we can outside the uterus to support development. But, but here's the thing. If I'm standing over that warming bed looking at this, this two-pound or, or three-pound baby, unless somebody tells me, I don't know that I shouldn't stroke and sing to that baby at the same time, but that's going to shut them down, that that's going to overload them, for example. Mm. Um, I don't know how to touch my baby in a way that doesn't lead to um, things like heart rate drops or apnea episodes. And the reason that that happens is the brainstem is immature. So there's this, this period of, of growth and development that happens outside the uterus, and, and we're watching this happen in real time, but we're also watching monitors go off in real time because, you know, that's not supposed to happen when you're, when you're not in utero anymore, um, and it wouldn't happen. The baby was still inside, so parents are are faced with all of this, um, all of the, all the stuff that you think you know about yourself as a parent, a potential parent, and about babies. You have to let go when you walk through the doors of a NICU. You know, most people when they see somebody on a ventilator think end of life, right. but when you see a premature baby or or a fragile newborn on a ventilator, don't necessarily think end of life. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to, to revamp it. It all happens very fast. And so parents have to adjust to this tremendous uncertainty and vulnerability all at once. The kind of thing that, that, right, that parents of, of full-term healthy babies get to adjust to over many years. Right, right. Parents of babies in a NICU have hours, days, weeks, maybe. Um, or, they're, or they're just confronted with it and, and trying to absorb it. It's, it's quite a lot. Wow. So, uh, kind of finishing off with the that other question. Yeah. Let's pick up there. Sure. So, in the course of conversation on the preemie list and, and really talking about the emotional experience, I said, I'm going to write a book. I told our, our neonatologist one day, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to explain to him why this is so hard. Because he would say things really with the best of intentions. He would say, when I worry, you can worry. And I just didn't have the words to say to him, 
I'm not inside your head. I have not been through this a thousand times. I have no frame of reference for this, and I'm always worried. I'm scared to death. This is terrifying. So the the parents on the list, when I said that, went wild. Yes, you have to write a book, and here's what we want you to talk about. And it just it went it went vi- like vi- really viral. And so I ended up with this very long list of topic areas and questions to ask people because at that time you could find websites um, where people were talking about their their premature babies but their website updates were full of things like ventilator settings and weight gain or loss all of the numbers nothing emotional right right because why they're numb they're overwhelmed they're shocked and they're holding on to whatever they can measure and everything else is way too messy so so I wanted questions that were going to evoke what was underneath that. The other thing I think happens, and the reason people do that, you know, very black and white kind of stuff is that, and I found this out later, people aren't sure that anybody really wants to know. Do you really want to know how this feels? Can you, can you tolerate how, hearing how this feels? Right. Right? And so by asking the questions, the implication is quite clear. I, I, I do want to know. Right, right. I'm here. I can, I can handle it. And, um, you know, sometimes the universe gives you exactly what you need. And um, I went to look at books in the genre thinking, this is what, what kind of book do I want to write? And I picked up one book. And um, it's called Empty Cradle, Broken Heart, Surviving the Death of Your Baby. Because there were no books like this for parents of premature babies. There were only medical books. And um, a nurse who was writing a book uh, offered to talk to me, and, and I said, I want to write a book just like Empty Cradle, except for parents of preemies. And she said, oh, Debbie Davis? I'm on a committee with her. You should talk to her. She's really nice. And we met. She lives in my hometown. And we <laughs> became, right? The universe hands you what you need. It's unbelievable. And we became writing partners, and we still are. Oh, my God. Yeah, so that's how that happened. So you, how did you deal with this yourself the premulus was a lifesaver it really was a lifesaver at that point in time you know i i graduated with my doctorate in 94 and i got very little um education about about trauma very little um certainly very little specific and so i i just found community mm-hmm. and that was really um a lifesaver for me um, found a therapist, you know, talked about it as much as I could. And over the years, and certainly once I found EMDR, um, did some of my own deeper processing around those traumas and losses, um, which really, like I said, don't end when your, your baby comes home from the NICU. Right. Because, because development can be quite different um, with a premature baby or, or a baby who has, has a medical compromise. Um, and so I still deal with it. And, and my, my girls just turned 23. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I just want awesome. remind everyone that I'm speaking with Mara Tessler-Stein. Um, she's a clinical psychologist in private practice specializing in the emotional aspects of coping with crisis around pregnancy and parenting. So, okay, let's just um, let people know where they can reach you, and we're going to continue on. Go. Okay. Um, 
Um, email, email, email is a good way to reach me. Um, you can email me at Mara, M-A-R-A, at DocMara, D-O-C-M-A-R-A, dot com. And I'm usually pretty good about um, responding to the email, but I always tell people if, if you don't hear back from me, assume that it got lost in, in, you know, cyberspace or, you know, it got buried and I do want to hear from you. So okay. try again. Okay. And your website is docmara.com. That's right. Okay. So, um, okay. So what do you do? I mean, you've got these parents because it seems to me, uh-huh. uh, is a parent thinking, oh my God, how are we going to get through this? I need to speak with a therapist or, or what? What do, what do they, what do you do? Um, many times parents don't want to leave the bedside. Um, and then once they come home, um, it's really hard to find a caregiver that you can trust because, you know, very often there's, there's feeding complications when, when preemies come home or, or babies who've had other, other medical issues. It's not simple. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons that the book was so important um, to me to write and why it's been so important to me to be teaching healthcare providers and therapists about the nuances of, of these issues and how ongoing they are is because very often parents of preemies, I find, don't come into the office. You know, in my practice, in my clinical practice, after my girls were old enough and I was ready to go back to work, um, I started networking and, and starting to do, you know, small little workshops and talks about what I knew so far about this experience. And my practice started, I started to get referrals of more perinatal related um, issues, but they tended to be bereaved parents. They tended to be parents whose babies had died. Um, parents of preemies um, have a much harder time getting out of the house. And now with telehealth, it's much easier for people. Um, there's a, there's a, um, a more accessible way. But trying to figure out how do you reach people, how do you how do you find right. people, and how do you let people know they're not alone, mm-hmm. they're not crazy, and they're not alone, um, was was incredibly important to me. So, very often um, the the support that that parents are getting and and the reorientation to this this wild and crazy world comes from the nur- the bedside nurses, comes from the docs, comes from the unit social workers, comes from the pediatrician once they're discharged. Um, can come somewhat from the follow-up clinic. And then maybe later um, when things seem to be more, more in hand and, and they can leave their child for some period of time, um, maybe they'll come in, especially if, they're, if they continue to be symptomatic. Mm-hmm. Um, or if something reactivates um, symptoms like, let's say, another pregnancy right. or, mm-hmm. another, or, another, or a diagnosis or a, conf- a confirmation of a diagnosis in the... Um, the child who was in the NICU. So you're providing obviously support for the parents, um, and, and, gran- and grandparents, and grandparents, and often grandparents. And, like you said, they don't know what the heck is going on. All I mean, you can imagine the 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 typhoon of feelings and, yes. and emotions and uncertainties and fears. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. It's so complicated, and I tell people. Grief is the messiest experience you will ever go through. You know, and we grieve even when a baby doesn't die. Mm-hmm. You know, we're grieving layers of losses all the time. And, and when, you are, when you are expecting that, wow, this could have been so much worse, and so I 
I, I expect I should, I should just be happy. I should be grateful. What's wrong with me? Right, right. Why, why am I so scared? Why am I holding back? Why, um, why does this hurt so much? Um, when my baby is, let's say, my baby is home. Um, and, and who can I tell that coming home with oxygen and apnea monitors feels like a failure? Mm-hmm. Feels like um, I should have done something to use mm-hmm. one of our, our most common um, EMDR <laughs> negative beliefs that pops up. I should have done something or I should have known better. Mm-hmm. How could I have expected that this could go well? You know, this, is, this is often what's bubbling up in there. Um, and and we, ju- we just do what we have to do. And parents will do really everything that they can um, to make sure that this baby is okay and they will come last. All right, man. Um, so the, you said the book, you're talking about your first book, Parenting Your Premature Baby and Child, The Emotional Journey? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, okay. And, in, and intensive parenting overlaps quite a bit with it. It's just we, we expanded the, the population to include babies who were not premature but were in the NICU for other reasons. Okay. One of the questions I want to get to uh, before we, I know we're getting ready to close out here, but, you know, one of the questions I ask is about kind of early kind of clinical errors. And and I want to ask you that question because I feel like there's a lot of juice here. Okay. (laughs) And I I don't mean that in an exploitative way, but I mean, there's so much, I, I think you're such a great person to talk to because there's just something so very real about you, Mara, and, and, and intense at the same time. But anyway, so what, what would you share with us if I, can I ask you that question? Yeah, well, and, and I think that there are some real parallels between my early practice errors and, um, and the things that, that I struggled with clinically and personally and it's sort of, it's an ongoing practice for me. So you know that mantra, you know, honor the journey. So the opposite of honor the journey is, is when you get into this space, when I get into this space of fear. And, um, and what fear always drives me to, to is this, this belief in there somewhere. No matter, I will say, I don't need to know everything. I don't, I'm not here to fix things. I mean, I will say these things to myself, except they don't always feel true. So, um, and certainly when I was a, uh, an early therapist, uh, early career therapist, uh, it did, really didn't feel true when I would get scared. And so when someone is in front of you suffering and um, you want so much to allevi- alleviate that suffering, um, that fear, and for me, what would drive me to, to push, to try to kind of muscle through something with a client, let's say, um, just like I might muscle myself into a yoga pose. It is not advisable. <laughs> that kind of thing is not a good idea. Um, and, and actually, my, the clinical mistake that came to mind right away is not a perinatal case, um, but is actually somebody that I'm still seeing. And um, I have to thank you for asking the question because I spoke with her about it um, in our last session. I, I said, you know, I wanted you to know this, that um, I've been seeing her and I knew there was trauma here um, with her, and I was a, a new EMDR therapist, and I really wanted to try to, re- to relieve some of her pain. And it wasn't mine to relieve. I was there to walk with her and be there with her and offer what I could, but she w- really did not want to do EMDR. And I really, really was pleased, you know, basically. And we did, and it didn't go well. And it has taken her years to 
allow me close enough again to offer much to her. She sort of allowed me to hold, you know, and she stayed with me and, and hasn't wanted to see anybody else. But I have to be so mindful of what I offer, you know, to be not intrusive, to not be controlling. And so I told her that last week. I said, I just wanted you to know this and I wanted you to know um, why why I did that then and what that was about. And we, t- we got to talk about it. We got to talk about our relationship now, looking back. And she looked at me and said, thank you for sharing that with me. And it was such a powerful experience. And I was so grateful that in this case, at least, I could, we could retrospectively look at who we each had been at that point in time. But it comes for me from a place of fear. Right. Fear of not being good enough, fear of, of getting it wrong, fear of um, inadvertently hurting somebody. And these, by the way, were all the same things I felt standing over that warming bed mm-hmm. over my preemies. I messed this up. And parents tell me, um, I, I've already let down my baby, moms will say. I don't want to mess it up again. So I think that these are such um, powerful and, and somehow universal um, ideas that apply right. and so so that that's why I, I, i've been really coming back to myself to this honor the journey on the journey so right. and also know whose whose journey is whose here right. <laughs> i have my journey you have your journey and we're in it together but they're intertwined but they're not the same well thank you for that as we get ready to close out here i want to ask you to share a um uh, any go-to book recommend, recommendations. And again, we're going to have your books up here at the show notes page, uh, sure. Parenting Your Premature Baby and Child, The Emotional Journey, as well as Intensive Parenting, Surviving the Journey Through the NICU. And even before you get to sharing your book, I got to have you back. I would love uh, to come back. I love talking to you. And I, and I know we just opened, barely opened yeah. opened the box here, yeah. but... Um, Okay. All right. In terms of a go-to book recommendation. Sure. Sure. Um, if it would be okay with you, I, I did want to add, before I give you my go-to book, I wanted to say that, that as part of what I'm doing that I think is really, I'm really excited about and passionate about, um, as, an, as an EMDR trainer now, um, I'm um, really working to build community in the perinatal mental health community um, with perinatal therapists and, awesome. and providing training for people who are um, trained in perinatal mental health to learn how to do trauma work mm-hmm. as integrated. So what I really want to do is be encouraging people to be looking at all of perinatal he- perinatal mental health through a trauma lens. Mm. And we can talk more about that next time. So I'm offering basic trainings with the, the uh, Institute for Creative Mindfulness's amazing curriculum um, for perinatal healthcare providers, which means that, you know, people get to train with their people and they get mm-hmm. to train from their people, from somebody like me who's, who has, you know, spent 23 years really working at this. And then also an advanced practice workshop um, for EMDR therapists who may not have the perinatal training, right? Because mm-hmm. they, people walk into your office and you don't know what they've been through in their perinatal experiences. Um, and so knowing this stuff is really important. Um, so, so, so that for, for perinatal people to be thinking about trauma training and for trauma people to be thinking about perinatal training is, is one go-to message. So we'll get those And links. then, okay. sure, I'll send you those links. Okay. Yeah. And then 
I, I have to say my, my main go-to book really, and we didn't really get to talk about bereavement at all, but is, is Debbie Davis's book, Empty Cradle, Broken Heart, uh, Surviving the Death of Your Baby, which is beautiful, unafraid, nuanced, filled with the voices of parents, which is exactly how we approached writing the books that she and I wrote together. And, and, and for people to understand grief, to understand trauma and the nuances, Empty Cradle is my first go-to. Mm. Um, I would also say that Kim Kluger-Bell um, has written a book called Unspeakable Losses. And that is another one that I think is, is magnificent. And they're, they're really now, 23 years after I first went to, to the bookstore, um, are so many really mm. wonderful, evocative, supportive books for parents and by parents. And, and I would say, read books by parents. Listen to parents. We must see the intactness of these parents behind the disarray. We have to hold both. This is our dual attention. This is how we help people to integrate. If we only see the disarray, then they are not really being seen by us. So if you as as a practitioner read books written by parents telling their stories, you begin to hear the voices and begin to understand what you're hearing and to not pathologize it, but to understand it as a very normal, natural effort to make sense of what is impossible in the midst of it to really understand. So unspeakable losses and also uh, empty cradle, broken heart, surviving the death of your baby. They'll be linked up here at the show notes page at the trauma therapist podcast.com. Mara. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. And we're going to um, uh, have you back here uh, and talk about, uh, everything else we everything. time. <laughs> but I want to else. thank you so much for doing this. Thank you, Guy. All right. Take care. Pleasure. Take care. I loved your questions and I loved your your engagement in this. Really wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. What's the point of having a beautiful website if it doesn't attract the clients you want to see? As worldwide leaders of website design for therapists, Brighter Vision sees this issue happening way too often. A nice looking website doesn't equate to a successful website. The truth is your current website might actually even be turning off potential clients. That's where Brighter Vision comes in. Brighter Vision's team of website designers will create your website that is centered around attracting and retaining your ideal client so that you can have a nice looking website as well as a successful one. Better yet, Brighter Vision is offering one month free for Trauma Therapist Podcast listeners. To take advantage of this offer, simply go to brightervision.com forward slash guy. Once again, brightervision.com forward slash guy. All right, this episode is sponsored by Praxis. Praxis Continuing Education and Training aspires to set a new standard in continuing education for mental health professionals. Based on the philosophy that mental health is a key feature of human well-being, Praxis trains clinicians in using proven effective tools for helping their clients heal by mixing groundbreaking theory with hands-on experiential learning models. Praxis provides innovative live and online trainings conducted by leading experts in behavioral therapies, including acceptance and commitment therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, EMDR, and more. 
Jumpstart your learning today and gain new skills to enhance your practice at praxiscet.com. That's P-R-A-X-I-S-C-E-T.com. Take $50 off your first training by entering the code LEARN50. That's LEARN50 at checkout. Once again, go to praxiscet.com and use the code LEARN50, LEARN50 at checkout to save $50 on your first training. 